Welcome back to Division One Rejects. This is episode 121, August 21st. And this is the last... No, this is not even the last week before college football. We have college football, or football in some aspect, every week for the rest of 2023. Let's go, dude. That prospect is crazy because it literally is not even September yet. So this is like the week zero slate of games coming mm-hmm. up this weekend. I think it's headlined by uh, Navy Notre Dame, I believe, is the one of the first to kick off, correct? Could no go. clue. Yeah, <laughs> Could have fooled you. But um, that's our the week zero slate. There's been a lot of conversation about why Division two and, and Division three teams don't have division – or, excuse me, don't have week zero games, which – you know, actually would really benefit a lot of teams because right now as it stands, you have like an 11-game schedule that you need to fit in 11 weeks. Now, just expanding that to a 12-week slate wouldn't necessarily be adding a game, but then you'd allow for teams to actually have a bye week um, somewhere along those lines. Uh, There's been some talk about it. Obviously, the NCAA is usually pretty stringent and not very, you know, they're the no-fun league sometimes, so uh, that might not happen. But it seems like that'd be a pretty obvious thing to give teams a bye week and, and kind of more flexibility and scheduling, right? Yeah, it just kind of makes sense. Especially right now with a lot of stuff we have going on, especially the D2 level, you look at um, a situation like Alderson Broadus that we've talked about at length in the MEC and the team that dropped out. Now all those teams are looking for uh, different games and you have um, some other squads that uh, other conferences rather than now have to do out-of-conference games for the first time in a long time like the NSIC and a couple other conferences. So we'll see if that gets changed. But we've got a great guest tonight. That is one of our own D1R athletes, Trey Fabricini. He'll be joining us here shortly. Uh, the running back from Denison, the Big Reds, he... Set the single season rushing touchdown record with twenty touchdowns last year. Damn, um, for Big Red. So he's a uh, he's a stocky dude. He's gonna run up between the tackles. He'll run over you, run around you, do it all. But um, a couple guys from the D two level that are making some waves in the NFL. Tyson Bajent. We've talked about him a lot on this program. He's making the case to be the backup in Chicago behind Justin Fields at the quarterback position. Might be the only Division two quarterback right now in the NFL. I can't think of any other ones. I was trying to do some research. You know. Yeah. Anything? Anyone comes off the top of your head? I don't think so. I can't think of any. It's a position that you just don't see translate to the league. I don't know. Um, we went over those the numbers of, like, I think the most positional-wise was offensive lineman, defensive back, and wide receiver, I think, was actually number one of this year, how many guys from D2 were going to the NFL. Quarterback was the bottom of the list. Tyson Bajan was the only one that I wow. had seen that has gotten a shot um, from this last year's class. So very interesting there. Uh, another guy who made a ton of, of numbers at the D2 level, that being Caleb Murphy from Ferris State, set the NCAA single-season sack record last year at Ferris. He got two sacks versus the Vikings uh, in his preseason game with the Tennessee Titans the other day. There's some uh, pretty good words from Mike Vrabel about the Ferris State alum. We'll talk about Caleb Murphy. We've talked, again, about him and the Ferris State Bulldogs a lot. They headline the D2 Football Top 25 that we'll review. They released their preseason rankings. Also have a list of the watch list for their top 100 or elite 100 um, list. So make sure to check it out on all their socials. They produce a lot of great content, especially once we get in season. Uh, finally, a couple more things. A Texas high school is getting half an indoor field. Not entire indoor field. Not entire outdoor field. Half an indoor field. It's kind of wacky. I in your this, head, I like before we look at the pictures, like what does that even mean? Like, I just picture like a shed cut in half. It's actually really close. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. We'll take a look at that later on in the episode. If you want to find any of these topics and more, use timestamps bottom of the screen. If you're on YouTube, slide forward any part of the conversation that sounds remotely interesting. Otherwise, timestamps will be posted on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Acre, Breaker, FM, all the uh, overcasts, all the different spots that you could potentially listen to a podcast there's no escape finally patriots are signing three xfl and usfl players in uh, just a couple weeks span right yes, sir they're a team that i feel like always 
um, goes out of the way to find Division Two talent as well. We've seen a lot of that in the past. Um, and also, you know, when you have the coaching pedigree that a Belichick, Belichick has, um, nobody you have the luxury of people not questioning your yeah, every you decision. Do what you want, isn't that crazy? Yeah. If anyone else made the moves that he did, they would be under so much scrutiny. He was kind of like murmur like he did, and then they're gone. <laughs> then they're fired. I'm done, dude. Like the time before the draft that he went to. Um, or it was, it, he missed the combine to go down to like Middle Tennessee and like work out that offensive lineman in the rain or something or defensive yeah. lineman. Didn't even end up drafting him. <laughs> just kind of like mind games, dude. He must have just not like I don't know. That's it was a crazy story. Like you're missing the combine for that, but <laughs> you gotta do what you gotta do. But uh, thank you all for tuning in. This is gonna be an exciting episode. Um, follow us on Twitter, Instagram, all the socials. Subscribe on YouTube. We just hit 600 today, so that's pretty exciting. And um, before we get any, into any of that stuff. Let's go right to the conversation with uh, Trey. Join the show tonight. Running back at Denison University, a man who is a two-time first-team All-NCAC selection. Last year, he shattered the Big Red single-season rushing touchdown record. It's Trey Fabricini, one of our newest D1R athletes. What's going on, brother? How are you? Great, man. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. Pumped to get you on here. You saw our top 10 mascot list. What the hell is up with that buzzer, dude? Oh, yeah. That's that's funny story. I mean, we're known as the Big Red, but... We got this mascot now, the buzzard. So basically we, we have this beautiful athletic facility, Mitchell Center, right? And okay. we have these pesky, pesky buzzards, dude. <laughs> they 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 circle in these flocks. I don't know what they're looking for, but they nest over by the woods by our by our fields and they just fly around in circles and poop on like all the like septic stuff and water tank <laughs> stuff. And so during practice and in the middle of the night. They have to set off these fireworks that sound exactly like gunshots to get them to fly away and stop pooping on everything. Are you serious? So, yeah, that's that's the story of as why we became the buzzards. I mean, we're persistent, man. <laughs> <laughs> Someone was walking through over there and just got shit on and was like, yeah. you know what? Yeah. That needs to be our mascot. Yeah, you know, we'll be we'll be running plays right right around four o'clock our practice time. We'll hear firecrackers go off and Whoa, gun gunshots or no damn buzzards? Just buzzards. Because it used yeah. to be like a in, in, in Indian, right? That's they had to get rid of it or what? Yeah, I mean we still all go by the big red, but yeah, uh, yeah. I don't. Buzzards are our mascot, I guess. So yeah, yeah. that was yeah. uh, up here in Marquette, where Northern Michigan is. The high school was the Redmen. That was like their name, and now like yeah. they're getting rid of that, and it's this huge drama. Like, uh, yeah, it's That's, never gonna happen. Yeah. It's never going to yeah. happen. Um, but let's talk football, though. We don't have to talk about the buzzards. Uh, after a year oh. like you had last year in 2022, um, it's not the first time that, you know, you started for them. Obviously, the year before that, you started all the games and had still had put together a solid season. But last year, you really put it all together, it felt like, just looking from an outsider's perspective and putting up those stats. Um, because the stats are what you look at when you're not there. It's, it's the easiest way to kind of quantify things. But it's got to be exciting for you heading into this year having that behind you and now being able to look at this just week by week and try and almost just one up yourself. I feel like it's probably just the mindset and personally and also as a team to help you guys win. Yeah. I mean, obviously, you know, team comes first. I want to, I want to get the job done, whether that's yeah. a game where I carry the ball 18 times or freaking 39 times. I mean, you, you never really know until you see what's working and, Obviously, a lot of credit goes to my coach, you know, OC Coach Moses, going into last season. 
he just kept reiterating the point, whether that be in meetings, he, he really put a lot of trust in me, threw him little compliments out. Like we have one of the best running backs in the country, all that. So it kind of just, it went to my head and it gave me that, even those little small words just gave me, gave me a lot of confidence in my game, what I could do on the field. So huge credit to the coaches and obviously big guys up front. I think firmly we have two guys fifth year and returning all five starters. So it's, it's going to be a great year up front for those guys as well. That's big, dude. I don't think people realize how big that is, too. You talk about, like, almost like the affirmations, right? Those words from your coaches or even from your teammates. Like, that's so big time, especially at a position like running back where, like you said, there's a good chance, like, you might touch the ball 20 times a game. And yeah. if you're not in the right headspace to do that, um, that's just not going to work out, right? And so running yeah. back such a unique position where – you have to get into that right mindset physically, mentally, like into that groove to be running the ball. And it's, it's nice when your offensive attack is predominantly focused on that because you're guaranteed you can go into the game knowing like, Hey, I'm going to get my touches this game. And now I got to make the most of them for my guys. Like right off the bat to know that I feel like is just such a, like a, you know, secure thing of mind. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, our team knows it too. We're, we're a run first team. We're going to, shove the ball down your throat till the fourth quarter until you wear down a little and then hit Hell yeah. there. But uh, yeah, you know, it's old school, kind of old school hybrid football where we're trying to get four yards of pop every time. And when we get that on a drive on those 15, 12 play drives, you know, it's, it's great. It really builds confidence. You're wearing that defense down so much more mm -hmm. than the offense. Yeah. That's big. What part of your, your game this year are you excited uh, to really rely on and maybe get more out of? I'm really this this summer, obviously, you know, uh, didn't have any like too many home run hitters. I was more of, you know, a consistent back. If you give me the ball, I'm going to get five yards of pop. Yep. Consistent. Not going to get like two, three spring a big one. So uh, I'm excited to show off my speed and what I've been working on over the summer, obviously, and uh, flashes of quickness and some more shiftiness to my arsenal. So yeah, I'm excited how that translates to the field. See you get your big ass out of the backfield too. Catch some yeah. routes out there in the flat, maybe get yeah. something going. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> it's dangerous, dude. I love it. You're gonna be well rounded. Um, you guys finished at eight and two last year. You've got a great challenge, not to open, but in week two this year, Linfield. I'm sure you guys are are pumped about that one. They're currently ranked number eight in the country. Talk about a chance again, personally, to show off your stuff immediately as kind of a welcome back moment but also as a team right like right off the gate you get a chance on a national stage to go and improve things yeah obviously I mean that's a big challenge but uh so far our coaching staff and you know a lot of players haven't even overlooked to that point our priority mm -hmm. right now is fall camp getting the offense in getting it perfected uh and you know week one heading into capital and OAC opponent obviously uh not a strong one super historically but it's still it's still an appointment opponent and uh we got to take care of business there first and then you know when that week rolls around against Linfield we'll, we'll gear up for them so obviously like it's hard not to think about it if anyone yeah. thinks about they're the number eight team in the country it's obviously going to be excited we're a physical team we look forward to the challenge but right now we just got to take it uh step by step it's a great answer your coach yeah. be proud of that one yeah yeah that's good <laughs> But we were just talking earlier in the show, the D2football.com uh, top 25 list came out. We're talking about uh, University of Indianapolis, which last year, they were actually number eight team in the country. They went into Saginaw Valley, who's in uh, our conference. They got their ass kicked at Saginaw Valley. And it's like, I don't think people realize that that number doesn't mean anything. You show up to somebody's place on the wrong day, and you're going to walk out of there with your tail between your legs. So I'm excited to see that one, especially um, what you guys have to do those first couple weeks. Then you look down the road a little bit further, um, again, 
one week at a time for you guys, but I'm a media guy. I get to look wherever the hell yeah, I want. Yeah. Uh, Wabash, DePaul, Ohio Wesleyan should be some really exciting matchups uh, for you guys this year. That win over Wabash last year was, I know, a huge one in your campaign 2022. Yeah, it's absolutely crazy. I mean, college football is just so wild. You know, last year you look at it, 8-2. and two, uh, it, it was crazy. All over the NCAC, there were, there were leagues. Obviously, first loss came to DePaul in a heartbreaker. Mm-hmm. I think it was. 17 13 or 17 14 lost by one possession you know if we could have that game back we would week two we go to Wu. we're really flat man you know a lot of guys down just did not overall flat flat day we got blown out by a team that was if anything very mediocre and DePaul ended up losing to I think a very average Wittenberg team or the following week or something like that so it's crazy the NCAC I think in in the country Division three wise is one of the most balanced conferences, you know. Of course, the pause come out on top uh back to back years, but they almost lost to Obu. Um it's it's very crazy. And you know, you look down the line, we we beat Hiram by a field goal, not a really good uh yeah. team then, but they had they had some really good players, you know. So it's it's wild. I love our conference. Anyone can come out on top and week week to week it's always a challenge. Yeah, and with that being said, preseason rankings don't mean jack shit, but we're still going to talk about them. DePaul picked first. You guys are third behind them in Wabash. And, uh, again, you don't buy too much into that because it's all about where you where you end up at the end of the year. But anything surprising come out about those preseason, the coaches pull, uh, from your perspective? Uh, from my perspective, I expected us to probably second or third. I I could see where the coaches came from. You know, last preseason we were ranked five. So Okay. Uh, those to us really don't mean anything, but third's, third's always a good spot to be. I mean, obviously Wabash has a really good quarterback, Liam Thompson coming mm-hmm. back, you know, stud. All-American I don't, tight end, I think, Penn Stoller, and then DePaul just really solid defense all, all, all around. So that makes sense to me from the media perspective, but, you know, obviously preseason rankings don't mean too much yeah. until, until around. So, no, yeah. they don't. They definitely don't. Liam Thompson on that uh, Manning Award watch list, did you peep that? Yeah. Yeah, I mean he's he's a stud. He's a he's that's a great ridiculous. Guy. Like I was, I didn't really realize what that meant. We talked about it last episode. Like you look at that list and the company that he's in to put a dude at this level of football. Um, damn, finish it right now. Damn, um, <laughs> to put the put this dude at this level of football on the same list as Caleb Williams and all these like other just prolific Division One quarterbacks. You're yeah. like, is this yeah. is this the real deal? Like that's how this really happened. Yeah, dude, dude was an absolute stud and. When we went into their home and beat them in the nail biter, uh, they got us the year before that in overtime mm-hmm. with version last year. We got them on their homecoming. You know, there were with two minutes and thirty seconds. I think there were uh, we had two two drives to get fourteen points. They had a they had a drive with like a minute thirty to score. So you know, it was a battle back and forth. And that game really was all offense, and it came down to who possessed the ball last. And yeah, that luckily was. Phenomenal game, most exciting game I've ever been a part of. That's awesome, dude. On some, like, Chiefs-Bills type of beat like that. Yeah, yeah exactly. I love it. Um, talking about sometimes guys just have a nose for the end zone, I think is, like, a great way to call it. And I think some good examples of that. I know at the D2 level, last year it was Carson Gulker, the quarterback from Ferris State. I don't know if you yeah. have heard that name. He's, he broke the NCAA record for rushing uh, touchdowns by a quarterback as, like, a red freshman. 
And with Ferris's offense, it makes a lot of sense. Their offensive line is just stacked, and they played all the way, and they won the national championship. The pro comparison, I think, would be like a Jamal Williams for the Lions, who, um, you know, people ripped on, but then at the end of the day, you look at the stats, and he's breaking Barry's record, and you're like, how the hell does this happen? Would you put yourself um, – I'm not trying to say put yourself in the same category as Barry, but uh, as that same category as a dude who just has the nose for the end zone. You know, I this is funny you asked this. Um you know, obviously growing up, I really, I always watched Peyton Hillis highlights, but yes, the man. guy that I, that I really liked was uh, Mike Tolbert on the Panthers. I thought okay. that, that dude was a dog. I thought he had a nose king of one yard touchdowns. there, super, <laughs> super fun to watch, you know, big hefty guy like that. Just, just find a way to get in the end zone in some untraditional ways for a guy that size. So, I mean, I love Mike Tolbert, but realistically probably pro comparison would be, you know, <laughs> Peyton Hillis, you know, just downhill runner. I love that shit, dude. I was, uh, I wore 40, and that was yeah. almost an ode to a Mike Allstock because that was the man that, like, I wish I could have been around to watch him play um, as far as, like, you know, live. Obviously, I get to see tape and things, yeah. but if there was one dude I ever wanted to run, like, Peyton Hillis would definitely be a close second, but yeah. Yeah. Mike Allstock was the man. Yeah, he was, he was the dude. And, you know, like I, you've probably seen this YouTube clip, but like his 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 football life, like that's an awesome video. To yes, and yeah, he he was awesome. He was an awesome guy. Yeah, great to watch. He is, and he's become a lot more active. I think on a lot of like different socials and things now, and has kind of embraced the the cult following that he has, <laughs> which is really sick. And he's so like, old. he's one of those guys too that like after football now is just like. Super trim, leaned up, like definitely could be the next star of a Nugenics commercial or something, like whatever he picks, which cracks me up. Absolutely. And, you know, in his videos, he always acknowledges the fact, like, how blessed he was to be able to play football. In Absolutely. The time that, because, you know, you see those big downhill backs kind of slowly diminishing out yeah, of man. the league. But yeah. It, the game's changing got, a ton. The NFL yeah. running back market right now is – ridiculous um i guess josh jacobs is coming out of his holdout but then like even saquon is signing for a deal that even a couple years ago would have been like jump change for a guy of his caliber which is really interesting yeah. but um talking a little bit more about dennis and something i was looking at looking over your schedule talk to me about your uh the mental health awareness game you guys do with um yeah. you know conjunction with mission mission 34 over there obviously you know mission 34 is something we'll strive to be a part of and it's it's a great game, you know, bring awareness to men's mental health that oftentimes gets overlooked, you know, through the eyes of masculinity and whatnot and what it means to be a man in today's society. So, you know, obviously raise money for that cause. And, you know, guys, we've, we've unfortunately had um, some people, some male athletes on this campus, you know, take their lives in the struggle and, and whatnot. So it, I think it's really important to, to bring – bring attention to that and, you know, shed a little light to it. Uh, we bring, we wear a uh, green in honor of those. Um, and yeah, it's a, it's a great, great atmosphere to be a part of great, great overall mission and whatnot. So those games yeah. are awesome, man. Yeah. That's, that's definitely, uh, I'd imagine too, like just having that happen at, at your university, we had, uh, we had a track and field athlete um, just last year who ended up taking her own life up here. And that was something that shocked our whole, obviously our athletic department, but the university as a whole. And then like for a team to, to go on after that, I remember um, our athletic department tried to do something nice. And we had all of our athletic teams out to support the track and field team when they were getting onto the buses to go to their next competition. Cause obviously the season goes on, which is, it's just tough to swallow, but it's like, 
it's yeah, those first couple weeks are, are really difficult. And, you know, they say, though, the best thing, though, is, is to carry on because those first couple weeks are going to be tough, but you got to get through them. And I just remember that tense feeling in the air of, of help, of trying to encourage um, all the women on our, on our team to get on the bus. And it's just something that I certainly could not imagine going through. And I'm, I'm fortunate enough to not have um, any of the guys on our squad that, that, you know, have gone through that, man. Absolutely. Yeah. I, yeah, I couldn't agree more. It's just a sad thing that just needs attention brought to it. And I think little events like that, you know, getting game atmospheres to honor that and whatnot, specific causes is a great way. Yeah. We had, like, obviously, I think a little bit more um, popularized, but like a cancer awareness game we used to do uh, in high school every year down at, at my school and like putting someone else's name on your back that you're playing for that you have some type of connection to and, you know, having them be there and supporting them, raising money for a cause, whatever it is, like, that's what makes the game so special, dude. I'm just, I'm like super glad and like fortunate to be around it, you know, whether that's playing or talking into a microphone or whatever. Like, that's just, that's what makes this game so special being around for moments like that. So I just, I wanted to ask about that because I'm sure the atmosphere there yeah. is, is a pretty special one. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a phenomenal event. Great cause overall. Love it. But as yeah. far as your squad this year, what do people yeah. need to know about Denison heading into 2023, man? Uh, I mean, right out the gate, very physical team. You know, I think personally in my eyes, we have a lot of guys that got overlooked last year when it came to end-of-season accolades. We mm -hmm. have two twins on our offensive line, Kevin and Brian Stone. I mean, they're absolute Some twins, huh? Yeah, weight room warriors. One's at left tackle, one's at guard. Okay. Uh, left tackle made all region with me and a few other guys. We have a weapon at punt returner and cornerback, Jalen Epps Jr. He led – all of NCAA and punt return yards, which okay. was wild. Great dude. And then, uh, you know, new quarterback this year, Jimmy Steins. He's going to surprise a lot of people. He's been playing great in camp and also in spring ball. And then if you look at the defense, you got uh, middle linebacker Jeff Moore. He, I think by far he's one of the best middle linebackers in the country. It gives Let's me go. great opportunity to play against, you know, really high caliber defense uh, every single day, day in and day out. So it's, it's tough. It's tough to compete with that, and, you know, they, they always give me and, and the offense really good game looks. So I love I'm it, just dude. very well-rounded. Oh, yeah. Well, I'm excited yeah. to see what you guys do. I'm even more excited to have you be a part of uh, our D1R athletes here and, you know, figuring yeah. out new ways to keep you guys involved to uh, yeah. make this partnership more and more worthwhile. Um, sending you a little gear and putting it up in the studio is just yeah. the first of, of what I hopefully think this can – can turn into so whatever you got for me anytime man I'm, I'm here for it i want to i want to make this thing special dude i'm glad to have you be a part of it absolutely man thank you so much for letting me in you know a lot of the guys i know appreciate the the media and i'm sure all the d3 d2 naia guys you know they're, they're, they're just loving it eating it up you know a lot of attention goes uncredited and accolades and whatnot so it's it's really amazing what you, you're doing for smaller school athletes so yeah, appreciate and all I appreciate you, dude. That's all I've got for you, Trey. I will. Uh, I'll let you get back. I'm sure you got a pretty busy schedule tomorrow. Right back at it, huh? Yeah. All camp, you know. It. Yeah. Yeah. I feel you, dude. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you. All right. Thank you, Trey. I'll talk to you, brother. You know what? Appreciate Trey coming on. Now wanted to switch over, talk a little bit about NFL guys, and by NFL guys, I mean D two guys that are making some waves in the NFL. The first of which, Gavin Tyson Bajant. I feel like he's taken a lot of headlines just in the last week. 
That kind of tends to happen when you have this kind of stat line. Saturday versus the Colts in the Bears preseason game, 9 for 10 on passes, 76 passing yards with a 98.3 passer rating, and he had that uh, little two-yard like touchdown run where he kind of uh, leaped over the goal line. But uh, there were a lot of really good things being said about him, and I think, number one, just like his composure and his poise. Um, he's a guy that I think... I mean, everyone from our level knows who he is. Uh, at Shepard, he put up a ridiculous amount of numbers. He's only uh, 23 years old, but he set uh, NCAA passing records left and right while he was at Shepard in D2. Um, he threw for 17,034 17, yards. That's an all-time record across all NCAA divisions. Damn. Had 159 touchdown passes in his career at Shepard, dude. 17,000 yards. So you divide that by, what, four seasons? Right? Because yeah. that's, yeah, eligibility-wise. And then you're looking at um, over 4,000 yards a year. If, you know, if it actually were cut up yeah, directly ridiculous. like that. That's heinous. It's going off, dude. <laughs> that's crazy. Um, Shepard has made a lot of deep playoff runs of the back-to-back uh, regional champions coming out of that uh, super region. But uh, Matt Eberflis talked about... His performance, he said, quote, I saw poise. I saw good protection by the line, saw good route running by the receivers, good running by the back. Um, and then that kind of goes into, like, that helped him kind of get into rhythm. But he says, I saw poise from him. Delivery was there. The accuracy looked pretty good. Timing was nice. Decision-making was good. All the things it takes to score a touchdown, you saw it there. So I think that's just really encouraging to see. And like I said, the, he was the only guy from this past draft class, the D2 level, to even get a chance at the yeah. quarterback position in the NFL. Did you, catch, out. did you catch any of those the clips of the game at all? I'm Probably not. No. Yeah. But um, kind of talking about that situation a little bit, you look at Justin Fields is obviously the starter yeah. in, in Chicago, and people are very high on him right now. But um, as far as the other quarterbacks in that room, Gavin, you've got P.J. Walker comes out of Temple, who is a stud, Bounces around a couple NFL teams, ends up landing in the XFL. Um, he was a dog in the rough for the Roughnecks. That was back in 2020 or 2021, around that time, correct? And then gets picked up. He played the last two years a ton of meaningful snaps for the Panthers, right? Because it was him and Sam oh, Donald. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. I think because he actually balled out against the Lions, if you remember, didn't yeah, he? No, that's not. Let's just cut that. I don't want to talk about that. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that was him, though, yeah, right? I remember him I coming out and throwing for like 300 against us yeah, um, last year or two years ago. Yeah. So, P.J. Walker's in that room. Definitely a proven guy, a little bit older. Um, Nathan Peterman, we had talked a little bit before the show, like a pretty much journeyman yeah. um, backup quarterback. I don't know if he's ever really landed as a true starter anywhere, though, has he? I don't think so. So, I'm interested to see, because they'll keep what? They'll keep three, correct? Mm -hmm. I think, they'll yeah, they'll keep three. So, you have Justin Fields, I would assume P.J. Walker, and then... Tyson Bajan, I would assume, is battling for that third spot I mean, yeah, with a guy like Nathan Peterman. Balled out. I mean, what did yeah. has Nathan played at all? That's a great question. I think so. How old is Nathan? Like seventy six. Um, I know he's old. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> I know he's old. Uh, that's good. No, I don't. I'm not sure. Um, I'm not sure if Peterman has played um, a whole lot. But uh, when you watch Bajan play, I think something that's it's really evident with him and his play style is his ability to make the throw off of, like, the back foot and the unscheduled throw. He's not a guy that um, – and that's where the game is evolving with a lot of quarterbacks, especially at the NFL level, the guys who can make off-schedule throws and uh, not necessarily, like, um, you know, a quarterback sets up and gets into his nice three-step and then is poised and yeah. goes forward like a very typical throw. Like, more and more teams want guys who can – Oh, excuse me. 
make that throw where they're coming off the back foot and maybe have to change up the arm angle to get around like a, a defender. Like a Patty Mahomes. That's yeah, that's like, like the that, the epitome of that, right? That pass he made this last weekend where he a was jump jumping pass. out of bounds and threw it like this. Yeah. Get out of here. <laughs> Stop it. Yeah, but like I think football is just moving more and more that way. So he's a guy that definitely fits into that um that kind of category because when you watch his tape, um very rarely will you see and now he yeah, he does get on schedule sometimes, especially when you have the, a nice protection or you get into a nice pocket and get into rhythm a little bit. But you'll see a lot of his throws are actually made off the back foot, made a little bit off balance, and his accuracy is still right there. Um, a lot of them made on the move as well. And that's, again, something that I'm not surprised by. I saw him make playoff run after playoff run in college, and now seeing him do this isn't a shock. But to people who are not familiar with his name, I can certainly understand where a little bit of that skepticism comes from because mm-hmm. we just said, uh, when was the last – D2 quarterback to come out and, and, and really make some waves. I can't remember, but I, I'm not really great with names yeah. like that, you know. Just a position that's tough. It's a tough a tough translation. Now, a position that translates potentially a little bit better to the NFL coming out of such a smaller school, that being like defensive lineman, right? Caleb Murphy, we've talked about him a ton, set the single-season sack record at D2 Ferris State, who's the back-to-back national champions. They're picked to repeat again this year. They'd be the first team since uh, West Alabama did it in the 1980s or 90s. West Alabama won three in a row. So Ferris would be the first team since then oh, damn. to do that. I was not aware of that, actually. I just found that out. It was pretty crazy. But um, there's a nice little they had a nice little news piece on Caleb Murphy that we can, that we can watch before we talk a little bit more about the guy from uh, – the Bulldogs here. Let me pull that up. Taylor Murphy get to the quarterback when he played at Ferris State. He set an NCAA sack record at all levels with 25 and a half sacks in 2022. To no one's surprise in Big Rapids, he's doing the same thing in the NFL. Saturday night against the Vikings, the Titans outside linebacker did not just record one sack, but two. Murphy has now brought down the quarterback three times in just two preseason games. Young draft Pretty good stat line right there. Surprising yeah. some with his numbers. It's like for him, I mean, one of the only stats that matters. Well, that's what we, we we're brought in to do is sack the quarterback. You know, um, you know, so it's nice. It's a nice feeling. But uh, other than that, you know, I think it's something that's become natural uh, with the feeling of hitting the quarterback, uh, coming in doing it for the team. Confidence level has always been high. Uh, I pride myself in what I do. You know, what I'm saying I'm here for a reason. I've, I've said that over and over again. But you know, there's a lot of work to still be done. A lot of things to clean up. But uh, very proud of myself. You know, two sacks is big, so, you know, just uh, we got to win. You know, that's the most important. The Titans' final preseason game is on Friday. Pretty sweet stuff from him, and I think the biggest thing, too, is, like, you, you hear him talk about it, and you're, there's not, like, a sense maybe yeah, yeah. of, you know, surprise in his voice, right? And, again, I think people who watched him the last couple of years will know that this dude was an absolute machine. You Like, if there was odds or, like, a line placed on sacks, it would be, like, Caleb Murphy, like, over under, like, half a sack would probably be, like, minus 800, like, and for any given. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. something absurd and ridiculous because the dude literally was having multi-sack games almost every week all the way into the playoffs. Yeah. And really cool to see that, though. Really that, sweet. That last tackle, damn, he just poof. Right? And kicked his ass. Yeah. Oof. He was working this, like, um, this little, like, cross chop, and then I remember seeing him do a nice long arm off the edge, which are, you know, nothing. Again, like, the moves themselves – not anything crazy technical. Um, I'm not exactly an expert like D line coach, but yeah. I understand like a little bit of concepts. Um, but it's all in the execution, and like he's a guy who's done that. The I think the big knock on him coming out of college, actually, and I, I don't think you saw this, but was his pro day and looking at his pro day numbers because everyone 
was, you know, aware of him and he was on a lot of teams radar, um, from his numbers, from his production, from the winning that he did at Ferris. But when he went to the pro day, he didn't put up the athleticism numbers that I think people were expecting from him. Not to say they were bad, but they just weren't up to par with, I think a lot of other guys at that position coming into the draft. So, Mm. um, that obviously tanked his stock. Um, and he ends up being a priority undrafted free agent going to Tennessee, which is just crazy, dude. Like, that stuff is really just that important that it, it can just stop your just, draft stock, right? Yeah, that's, sucks. It does. Because now, like you're seeing, like, the dude can play. Like, yeah, whether or not. Out. Yeah, exactly, which is really sweet. Um, there were some words from Coach Vrabel on it that I wanted to pull up here, too, talking about um, Caleb Murphy. He was taught, this is funny too, because he gives him like a compliment, but then he also like gives him a, like something to work on, which is funny. He said he had a great rush, matched the hand, didn't leave his feet. Quarterback brought the ball down. He had a nice sack, impacted the play. But he goes, we'd like to see him try and tomahawk that ball where he spun back in on the second sack. <laughs> <laughs> I love, like, Braves just like can't just dish out a compliment. It's got to be like a little bit of both. Yeah, he did good, but could have been better. He did a lot better. <laughs> but he, thanks, uh, thanks, Mike. He says here, he says, just a few, I would say, awareness things. Sometimes on a screen, a run game, things like that. But as far as rushing, he's shown an ability to win, is what uh, Vrabel said about him. And it uh, definitely seems like they don't have a a ton of depth at that position, too. Um, Vrabel also said that he continues to find a role on special teams. I love his attitude. Shows up every day ready to work. So... You get in on special teams. I mean, that's the that's the case of every NFL rookie, really, um, for the most part, unless you're a high draft pick. But yeah. you get in on special teams and solidify yourself a spot um, on that actual like travel or you know game day roster. Um, and if you don't have a ton of depth at the position, which Tennessee really does not right now, you could find a way to get in there as like a three um, or even a practice squad guy. That's not the worst thing. It's not exactly a death sentence, no. right? <laughs> Being no. a practice squad guy, you're still in the league, still getting opportunity. So, really cool stuff from uh, from Murphy. I wanted to look at, before we go over some other things, the D2Football.com Top 25 um, was released just yesterday. And not a lot of huge surprises out of this. Looking at the top 10, it goes Ferris State, Grand Valley, Pittsburgh State, Colorado Mines, Northwest Missouri, Angelo State, Minnesota State, West Florida, Delta State, and Bemidji State. So some things to note right there. The GLIAC, obviously, spots number one and two, Ferris and GV. Then you've got two from the NSIC with Mankato and Bemidji, and also two from the Gulf South with West Florida and Delta State. Um, then you go um, with, you got the Northwest Missouri from the MIAA, or no, two from MIAA, excuse me, because you've got Pittsburgh State and Northwest Missouri State. Then you've got one representative from the RMAC and Mines, and then another from the Lone Star in Angelo. So um, a decent spread, but you can definitely tell, like, We've talked a lot about what the best conferences in D2 football are. With the GLIAC, the MIAA, Gulf South, and NSIC, I think there's a really good argument for probably each of those conferences could say, like, yeah, we're the best. Yeah, it kind of sounds like they run shit. Right. Yeah, it kind of does, doesn't it? To have <laughs> yeah. For each of them to have two representatives there. Um, and looking through the rest, I know the GLIAC had one more uh, with Davenport in the top 25. Um, but looking through this, I know the PSAC was definitely represented well. Throughout most of this, MIAA had a couple more selections. There's West Georgia from the Gulf South. So a really good spread, actually. But they talked a lot about a few teams, and one of them in particular actually was Ashland. Ashland's currently picked at 14th. They were 10-2 and 10, uh, 10 and 2 last year. Excuse me. 
They ended up winning in the first round against Notre Dame College in the playoffs, got beat by IUP in the second round, who was the one seed out of that super region. But uh, Ashland loses uh, a quarterback, their, their starting quarterback, who I believe was a starter for like four years. I'm pretty sure they got a brand-new head coach coming in. And you want to know what their schedule looks like their first two weeks? They play against IUP, who was a team that beat them in the playoffs, who has mm-hmm. been the one seed in that super region, who was picked to repeat as the winner of the PSAC. And then the next week they play Ferris. Ugh. That's tough, dude. That's uh, unfortunate. That's a tough fucking yeah, draw. That's, oof. Oof. Uh, so imagine that as a coach yeah. coming in and being like, these are your first two slated ones. Yeah, with a fun, buddy. a new have quarterback under center. <laughs> Push them in. See you, buddy. Now, they've got uh, returning senior running back Larry Martin coming back, um, but they also lost uh, Elijah McGee, the linebacker. Um, is it no, Elijah McGee? No, I'm, I'm blanking. Um, that was the one from, it might be him. I'm totally blank on the linebacker's name, but they lost one of their best defensive players. I think it was Elijah, um, who's now, I believe, going to the CFL. And then they lose, you know, some of their best offensive players to graduation. So Ashland was one that had a lot of contention. They thought potentially they were ranked too high. That pick may be a lot uh, on pedigree. Right in front of them is Shepard at 13, which is really interesting. We just talked about Tyson Bajan, who's from Shepard. He's one of four or five different guys that got camp invites from Shepard this last year, dude. Damn. But you know what that means? What does it mean? That four or five guys that were studs all left. Yeah. Right? So you had Bajent, who's with the Bears. Ronnie Brown's fighting for a spot at the running back position with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Joey Shepard, offensive tackle with the 49ers. And then they had a tight end who got a camp invite to the Ravens that I have not heard much about um, after the fact. So it was, I think it was the four. I think it was the four guys. Uh, but when you have that type of turnover, man. That's tough. That's going to be really hard. Yeah. That's going to be really hard to do. Now, Shepard's been really good. But to pick them, them 13th, uh, I think a lot of people were – Definitely very curious about that. Otherwise, looking at this, Davenport at 24 is going to be a very interesting one. Davenport uh, finished the year at 8-3. and three. They were 8-0, and oh, and then they lose to Ferris, lose to Grand Valley, lose to Ferris in the first round of the playoffs. Three pretty good losses. But my, I guess my knock on Davenport, I think they're going to be really good this year. Don't get me wrong. My knock on them is their margin of victory and their defense. Last year, they let up... Uh, 24 points or more in like seven games. I think they said on the on the D2 football like release show, which is kind of a scary number for them. Yeah, that's quite a few, isn't that? Like, yeah. that's, that's almost an average. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's not good. No, it's not great. So their offense bailed them out of a lot of situations. They just got a, a transfer, a couple of big time transfers. Myron Harris from Wayne State's going over there at the running back position. They got a receiver coming out of uh, Lake Erie, I believe, who was a thousand yard pass catcher um, for the Storm. So. Their quarterback, Whitaker, comes back. He's a transfer from Northwestern, I believe, actually. So he's a stud. You'll get to see him uh, play this year. We both will. Um, And then my other kind of knock on them, though, was the closeness of their games. Like, so many one-score games. You look at, uh, in the beginning of the year, they beat Truman State by one point. They beat Saginaw Valley by one point. They beat us in overtime. Then they beat us by one score the second time. Then they have to go down in a last-minute touchdown against Wayne State, who finished like last in the league. They had to go down a, like on a last-minute touchdown, beat Wayne State. They uh, barely had, they had to co- have a pull-out, a huge comeback win against Michigan Tech. Um, now, the key part of all those statements. They won. They won. Yeah, so they're like the you. Vikings last year. Isn't that crazy? That's like actually a yeah, pretty good. That's a pretty like good analogy. The Davenport Vikings, man. <laughs> Those are all very close. Uh, but they won. And so a sign of the great teams, they win the games they're supposed to, and they yeah. certainly did. But it would be very interesting to see with their slate of games. Actually, I want to see their uh, schedule this year. But it'll be very interesting to see with their slate of games um, 
if that margin of victory can increase or if there's going to be a lot of those same, you know what I mean, like a lot of those same type of uh, really narrow margin games. Now, they open the year. The first part of their schedule is actually pretty friendly. I won't lie. They open the year with Thomas Moore, and uh, that is, um, you're probably not familiar with them. They're an NAI school that just got into the GMAC, the GMAC. Um, that's their first game, So I and they're picked last in the GMAC, Thomas Moore is, so yeah. I'm assuming that's not going to be too competitive. Now, week two against Bowie State, September 9th. Bowie State has been a perennial uh, contender here. Uh, this is actually one of the first years in a while they've not been picked to pretty, finish pretty highly in the preseason poll. That'll be a tough one, Bowie State. Then they go William Jewell, which don't really expect much. So those first three weeks before they get into GLIAC uh, conference play, I think should be pretty friendly to the Panthers. Should be a nice way to make sure all their pieces are kind of firing. Um, that'll be that'll definitely be interesting. Otherwise, anything surprising from these polls? Indianapolis at number twenty-one. I just I wasn't sold on them last year. They were nine and two. They won the GLVC. I just don't think there's any depth in that conference. They have them in Truman State. That's about it, as far as I'm concerned. McKendry has, plays a couple solid games. Uh, then you've got like Quincy and a couple. I just that that conference doesn't really do it for me. And then what really was is they came in. They were number eight in the country last year. They come into Saginaw Valley, who's unranked, and Saginaw trounced them, <laughs> like trounced literally them. blew them out of the water at Saginaw, um, the number eight team in the country. So. After that game, I was a little bit not sold on the uh, on the Greyhounds, but obviously they are number twenty one in the polls. Um, they must have a lot going for them. So you can check out the full list and uh, the Elite One Hundred watch list at d2football.com. Shout out to those guys once again for putting out a bunch of great content. But Gavin, we can switch over. Let's talk about the Texas high school that is getting half an indoor field. That's one of the craziest things yeah, I've heard. I don't know if I've ever thought that would be real. It's Farmersville High School in Farmersville, Texas, and this is the first picture I will show you. I think this probably does the best way of just illustrating exactly what the hell this is. Are they going to store airplanes in it? What am I looking? What? <laughs> Dude. Why? It does. It looks like a plane hanger. It's ridiculous how that's really what it looks like. Wow. Is there like, there's got to be, what's the point? Why? I don't know. I mean, man. seriously, what? It's very odd. I will, you know what I mean? It's very, it's very unique. How about we say that? It's very unique. Um, I've certainly not seen any other schools trying to rep this look. Is this a money-saving thing? Yeah, I think they're like... It's got to be a money thing. They did some poor budgeting because I bet halfway through they're like, let's just make it look like we planned on doing this because this makes no sense. So you think originally... <sighs> that'd be kind of funny. This is a full indoor facility and about halfway through they said... I don't want to make any accusations. Guys... But, but that makes sense. No, I, I bet actually would be hilarious. Guys... <laughs> I don't know if we're going to be able to finish this damn thing. The, the budget, donors did not come through. Budgeting dude's losing his job. Because <laughs> this, uh, even well, like the logistics don't make sense. They're getting a lot of pub for it right now, I'll tell you that. Yeah, like, uh, is there going to be, like, are only bleachers going on that, uh, like, around the outside part? Can't so, see half the game. This is a practice field, so they, they won't be playing any okay, games here, I thought they Okay, well, then never. Yeah. I thought for a second they were playing on it. That, that would be crazy. That would be insane. No. Okay, but still, I don't really, not really getting the, yeah, oh, that's kind of cool. There's the look at the inside right there. I wonder. And I think the biggest gripe from a lot of people was like, oh, there's a pole in the middle. People are going to be, people are going to be running into the pole, like on the routes and shit, but the pole comes up, I guess. Um, The pole only is down, I guess, when the doors, like those doors come down, but once they pull those up, I guess the pole comes out of the way, so they have a full field. Now, the other obvious problem would be any type of special teams right yeah 
I mean, this is, it's pretty cool, actually. It's pretty cool. It just, to me, doesn't make a whole lot of sense. It's kind of weird. Just It's either go big or go home. Plus, like, this is Texas. This is not Maine or northern Michigan, yeah, or, Michigan or Alaska or out. Oregon. Yeah. What exactly do you need an indoor facility for in Texas? It, now, the only thing I can think of is, say, maybe it is 115 degrees and the sun is out and yeah, you don't want to be on turf. Get some AC pumping. Yeah. That's the only thing I think. Do they even get snow down there? I don't even. And dude, when they barely, do get snow, it's like, two it's like Armageddon. <laughs> like they get like an inch. Because they don't know just, how to handle yeah, it. It's just, <laughs> it's just closed. Everything done, dude. That's funny. That's how it is like, in Tennessee. I got cousins that live uh, in Knoxville. My aunt's a professor at UT. And they have, they'll tell me they'll get like an inch or two of snow and everything shuts down. Which is insane. Like everything shuts down. <laughs> but now it's a little bit different too because that like the elevation in that area, like there's a lot more elevation change. Like all those slopes and things become yeah. a lot more dangerous. But yeah, people just don't know how to handle it. Whereas up here, we could get a foot. And we would have school in the morning because yeah. we know, like, these guys are just pros. Because the, the trucks come out and they're moving. Yes. Yeah. Everything's getting moved. And then dude. in Houghton, where Michigan Tech is, for those familiar with the D2 team up in the upper part of Michigan, they can't even plow the roads because there's too much snow. They get, they so get on much. either side. They have to actually load the snow into trucks and offload it off campus <laughs> to like a separate a, dumping site. Like a sandbox. It's safe to say that this Texas team will not be dealing with any of that. But the field itself, I mean, looks like a nice field. Looks really nice. Imagine having this facility as a high schooler. That's incredible. Sick. So sweet. And obviously, this I'm assuming will be multifunctional for different sports. But the thing is, you don't really see a whole lot of other lines on there. I think I might have one more picture to look at. I think I thought soccer. Um, did you? There, I mean, there has to be. If you're if you're a high school, right? There's no way this is going to be strictly football. There's another really good look at the uh, the middle yeah, of the field. That's pretty dope. So no, they do have like circle and stuff. So that would be that would be like lacrosse and maybe some other things i'm not sure soccer maybe so they definitely will be used for more than just football but yeah the comments were really cracking me up they're like how the hell is there a pole in the middle that's just like the dads yeah like no like they wouldn't have thought of that beforehand to move yeah, the damn i'm sure thing. the engineer doesn't know what he's doing it's like sit down daryl get out of here <laughs> what you're talking about oh it's so dope though Really cool. I mean, it's it's a cool idea. I but I, again, I'm thinking the only reason you would have to do that is if it was literally 130 degrees yeah. and my cleats would melt if I stepped outside of the building. Yeah, I'm glad you clarified that they're not making this like their home field where they play at because that had me tripping up. Like, yeah, gonna, right. Again, I watch half the game, but I don't know for practice, it's kind of sick. No, it is. I'm trying to see if I can find a picture of their. Uh... I bet it's like an NFL stadium. These Texas no, football stadiums. I don't think are it ridiculous. is because I looked at it. I looked at it earlier, and I, don't, I think it was actually like really. Nothing crazy. You know what I mean? I, yeah. I just Googled it um, and looking at it right now. But you're right. There are some Texas fields that are ridiculous. I don't think this is one of them. If this is the actual field right here, hello, grain. Why is that going to be? <laughs> why is that giving me? Hold goodness. on. Hold on. Hold on. We're going to open up a better. We're going to open up a better <laughs> hello version grain. of that. Yeah, there we go. That's better. That's a lot better. Um, I mean, yeah. This looks like. At least from a Google search, this looks like their actual stadium. Yeah. And don't get me wrong, it's nice for a high school. It's actually really sick. The bleachers though are not proportionate to the level of luxury that press box is at all. No, that press box is sick. It's really nice, and, and the bleachers just, are just, just not Lambo. it. No, that's oof. yeah. I don't know what it is like. I know uh, high school football in Texas is big, but like some yeah. of those stadiums, bro. What? It's like yeah. college. There's this new um Texas high school that just opened. And they've got, like, Jimmy Johnson, their cafeteria, Pop Sonic. I'm like, huh? What's going on? It's ridiculous. It's just different, dude. It is different. It's different down there. Um, 
There's another view of just like that press box. That press box, man. It's the same. Yeah, same one. It's way nicer than what. It's like all the budget went towards the press box. It really kind of feels like that. Like that press box is sick, dude. Are those suites on the bottom level? Yeah, I should. Look. By the way, fighting farmers. You see that? Interesting name. Just interesting. <laughs> we'll leave it. Interesting. I think those are sweet boxes. I see. I see chairs. I think, dude. Yeah, dude. So you've got suites and then just straight general admission. And then just no the Lambeau between. Field. Yeah. <laughs> Lambeau. Yeah. I don't know about that, man. That's kind of <laughs> looks really nice, though. Yeah. Again, cool high school stadium. But when you're building a half an indoor, then, like, you kind of expect a little bit more, right? Yeah. I think. Um, all right. Last piece for today. Um, on the NFL side of things, the Patriots, they're signees from the XFL and the USFL. Looking at this, you had thrown this on here. What did uh, what did you see from this? Just saw that Bill Bill uh, Bill Belichick is going for the underdogs, man. Yeah. Classic. Can, yeah, I, I love that, which, which is awesome because, like, I don't know how much viewership USFL and XFL brings in, but it's pretty dope that they're bringing in dudes from that league. Yeah. Well, the XFL I know has placed, like, I think it's over, like, 70 different guys on NFL rosters. Yeah, that's, which, like, that's awesome. That's a great measurement of success. Now, they did lose, like, $60 million this past year as far as, like, yeah, in functioning of the league. But Dwayne Johnson had come out and said, like, hey, this is not, you know, the reason we're doing this is not to make money. It's to help guys land on rosters and yeah. give them a second chance. And so he's obviously done that, which is awesome. Yeah. Well, what about this? I saw some people talking about this. What if the NFL incorporate, like, you know how the NBA has the G League? The feeder, right? Yeah. Why, do, yeah. why doesn't the... NFL just, like, absorb it and make it, like, a G League? It's a great question. And I don't know, honestly. Because be really... feel, that feels, like, too obvious of a solution, right? Yeah. Because I think it'd be good for viewership with that NFL association and stuff like that. But I think it's just dope that they're bringing in dudes from that league. Yeah. Because you know, then you think, like, that would almost just extend to, like, practice squad guys, right? Because really, that's, what that, that's almost what that would be. Yeah. But they'd be in a separate facility. They wouldn't be, like, training with the no, – so the logistics separated. would be interesting for sure because, yeah, you have, like, an affiliate team for each of the mm-hmm. NFL well, franchises how many you're saying. XFL teams are there? Not Maybe. 32. Not 32. <laughs> I, I think there might be, like – is there only eight right now? Uh, I have uh, – let me check, let me check. Because, I mean, just rattling off my head, you know, you got, like um, – I'm thinking – wait, USFL or XFL? Are you talking just XFL? Uh, have, yeah, eight teams. XFL. Yeah, there's only eight. How many USFL teams? I don't even. Don't they play in the spring? Yeah, their seasons are just. Uh, they're eight like teams, so sixteen total. There's eight in the USFL and eight in the XFL. Yeah. So. So they have to have like a merger, and then even that would only be half the NFL, which yeah. is crazy. Mm, yeah, I don't know about that. Or if there was a situation maybe where they were set up where it was just this one large pool and teams got to pick and go and yeah. wouldn't necessarily, or like if teams shared a feat, like that's eh, interesting. You it know gets, what I mean? It gets weird. It does. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like it's obvious, but yeah, only sixteen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, teams share a team. No, it's a lot of money and logistics and yeah, that's things too to really incorporate. My, yeah, that's not my domain. Yeah, but it's good that it seems like it would make sense though. But as far as the Patriots signings go, uh, they signed a total of four free agents between the first and second preseason games. Uh, one of them was Zeke Elliott, and yeah. you know that signing was pretty big. But the other three, another running back, C.J. Marable, offensive lineman Micah Vanterpool, and a linebacker uh, Carson Wells. They weren't nearly as recognizable as, as Zeke's name, but uh, the thing they had in common, uh, Vanterpool and Marble all are both played, excuse me, in the United States Football League, the USFL, and then uh, Wells played in the XFL, which I don't even believe XFL stands for Extreme Football League anymore. What does it stand for? I don't think I think I don't even know if it's an acronym anymore. I think it's just the XFL. Just that. Isn't that weird? That'd be weird. 
I don't think it's technically the extreme football league anymore. Well, then it doesn't. Why would they call that in the first place? Did they have different rules? I don't know, dude. Was it like? I think so. You could do like flying kicks. like. Yeah. Um, Belichick spoke about uh, at, at length Monday about why, you know, he made these signs. And he said, quote, if you need depth at a certain position, generally what you see throughout the league is teams would try out anywhere between three to six, seven players at that position. It's pretty obvious they're looking for someone to play that spot. A lot of these players don't have very much experience. Either way, they're rookies to first-year players or in another league. So a lot of times those workouts have an effect on bringing in the player at that time. If you bring in a player right now, he needs to be kind of ready to go. Obviously, because you're going through fall camp, week one is very close. Um, He says, it's not like you have time, like a month of training with them and all that. If you sign a player in February, that'd be different. I would say the workout, the conditioning, the fact it looks like the player is ready to go works in his favor in terms of signing a player in that situation. The players that are coming from that league probably have a bit of an advantage in that they're in good condition, they've been playing ball, their techniques or whatever at their position they've been working on, and they're maybe a little bit more proficient on those. So... You don't have to beat the rust out of some rando is basically what he said. <laughs> yeah. Right? Simplest. Some undrafted guy that's been working out with his local trainer for the last. And, like, no shot at those guys. Like, we just had Corey Curtis on, who's very much in that position, um, who's working for a workout. Like, that's not a shot at those type of guys. But it certainly does make sense that you can pick up a guy who's been playing ball that you can watch film on from the last this past yeah, year. It's you know? different. It is. So, be interesting. Um Kind of talked a little bit more about it. Just talked more about how he sees those leagues as giving a lot of these players an advantage when it comes to earning those spots uh, as teams go through fall camp and those type of things. So a very interesting dynamic. It'd be interesting to see also if that ever does become a reality as far as like feeder programs for those NFL teams. Yeah, I think that I think we'll see that in the future inevitably probably. You do? Yeah, I think so. Because the practice squad is really limited as far as numbers go. Yeah, how many you know what practice I mean? squad players can you have? It's like 20-something, maybe 25. Yeah, and how does that – do they just practice? They yeah, just I guess so. Squad. And practice squad is interesting too because if you're on the practice squad, then technically other teams can sign you. Yeah, you can just right? get snagged. Yeah, your rights aren't like saved by that squad. Now, there is, hmm, I'm not great with the actual numbers and logistics, but I know with your active roster, is it a 53, 53 man, correct? Something yeah. on those lines. Then you have, I think there's three additional spots that aren't technically on the active roster, but that you have like retained specific rights for those players. Mm-hmm. So I think there's like a couple guys in that boat. Those would be guys in the brink of being on the active roster that they don't want to put on the practice squad so that they don't get picked up by another squad. Like they want mm-hmm. to keep those guys. Then you have the practice squad, your guys that um, could technically at any time be picked up by another team, I believe. Right? Yeah, I think that's yeah how that works. That... NFL's crazy, man. Yeah, it's honestly confusing. I never really... I got into uh, like learning about the practice squad after Hard Knocks last year because it'll be right. easy. Yeah, as on the uh, Lions, I was like, they cut them and they're like, we'll bring you back. I'm like, okay, how does this? Work? Yeah, like, what does that I'm even? Like, what's even happening? So you're getting cut, but then you sign but, a separate. But there's a chance you get signed, and then if in the middle of the season you get signed, yeah. How much you practice? And squad it's all need based, right? It's yeah. all need based at that position. You have no idea. How much do practice squad players even make? I want to find out. Curious. I don't think it's I, it's enough, but I don't. It's not what you'd be making for on the roster. Per NinerNoise.com, practice squad players make $11,500 per week, which equates to $207,000 for an 18-week regular season. If the practice squad player has more than two accrued years of experience, he'll earn at least $15,400 per week, which is $277,200 for 18 weeks. The maximum 
is $19,900 per week or $358,200 per year. That's not bad. So there's even levels to the practice yeah. squad players. I mean, $277,000 over 18 weeks, that's, I'll take it. That's cash. It's pretty nice. That's cash. But, I mean, I don't know. But with that comes very little job stability. Yeah, your stability right? is not there. Nothing. No. You're going to show up me. one day and your car will not let you into the facility Yeah, you're, it's like that video of the dude trying to get, I guess yes. they could have cut me. I guess they cut I me. I guess they cut me. Yeah, that's Was that's that the, the Jets? Who was that? I can't remember his name. I don't remember what team either. That was I know the I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, it's pretty funny. And that was. that could be you. Like, it's like <laughs> damn. Any given Sunday. Any given Sunday, baby. Or Monday, Tuesday, Not Wednesday, any day that ends in Y. Access denied. Stuff. Oh. Yeah. That's all we've got for today. Thank you for tuning in. Division One Rejects. We'll have uh, another episode coming later this week. But before for the Week Zero matchups, we'll have to look and see. You know, start making some maybe not predictions, but talk about that Week Zero slate and some of those big time games. So excited about that. Um, appreciate Trey joining us on this episode. Peace out.